If you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Genesis, way back there in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 13. I want to, uh, want to read to you the first 13 verses of Genesis chapter 13. And then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. And I would ask that you would continue to, to pray for our service tonight. Pray for me. Pray that I would deliver God's message in a way that pleases Him and brings Him glory. Genesis chapter 13, verse 1 says, And Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him, into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey, excuse me, verse 3, and he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no more strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between thy herdmen and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Verse nine. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if thou uh, depart to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zorn. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked, and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Will you pray with me tonight? Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and the many blessings. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here tonight, to uh, fellowship together, to worship together, to lift our voices together in praise to you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to hear your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for uh, all the blessings that you poured out on us, Lord, the freedom that we have, the ability to be here tonight. God, every breath, breath that we draw, it's a gift from you. 
But we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. Lord, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life, have that life eternally and abundantly. I pray that none of us would take that lightly or for granted, but that every one of us would always have praise and glory on our lips for you and for you alone, because you alone are worthy of it. And Lord, I pray as we go forward here tonight, Lord, that you would just continue to stir our hearts. Lord, that we, you would move in a mighty way here tonight. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would just have your way and your will in the hearts and minds of each one that is here. God, my prayer is, is that we wouldn't get in the way. Lord, that we would just let you have free reign in the service tonight. My prayer, Lord, is that your spirit would not be quenched. God, when we pray tonight that you would just, uh, uh, Lord, that you would move on our hearts, Lord, that if there's anything in our heart, anything in our life, anything on our mind that, that stands between us and you, uh, Lord, if there's any sin that we've let creep in, any sin that we've thought on or dwelt on, God, I pray that today, whatever it is, whatever would hinder our walk with you, whatever would come between us and you, whatever would separate us from you, Lord, I pray that you'd bring it to the forefront of our minds, bring it to our attention, Lord, so that we can repent of it and get it out of the way so that nothing would come between us and you. Lord, that's the most important thing in this life is our walk, our relationship with you. So, Lord, help me tonight. Help every one of us. Help me be the messenger that you've called me to be. Clear my mind of everything but your words, your message, your thoughts. Place on my tongue the very things you'd have me to speak tonight. Lord, my desire is for you to speak through me from my spirit to theirs tonight. Lord, them knowing that they have heard from you. And Lord, I pray that each one of us here tonight would have ears to hear what you would say by your spirit tonight. We wouldn't just be hearers of those words, but we would be doers. Lord, and I pray that we would leave here with a greater hunger for righteousness, greater desire to serve you, greater burden for a lost and dying world. So Lord, I'm just asking, help us get out of the way and let you be God of this service tonight. And we'll give you all the glory for it. Lord, pour your spirit out on us. Lord, I'm asking for your anointing, your holy unction. And we'll give you every bit of the glory for it. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I, uh, I've talked about Lot a lot of different, a few different times anyways. Lot is Abraham's nephew. I think he's an interesting character, an interesting study. I think the Bible says some interesting things about him. And I know that he's made some not very good choices in his life. Now my intention tonight is to talk about Lot and Lot's choices. But I can't help but mention, before we get started here tonight or get going, I can't help but mention a few of... Abraham's choices as well. Now you just stop and think about this for just a minute. Because it's so important. These choices, they can be tests of faith. I think we see them as tests of faith in Abraham's life. I think we see them as tests of faith in Lot's life. And these choices can be tests of faith in our own life 
also. And maybe what's important is that our choices get better instead of worse. Do you understand? I'm not saying here tonight or proclaiming that every choice we make is perfect and the right choice. I mean, sometimes we make bad choices. But what I am saying and what I believe is important is that the choices that we make get better and better instead of worse and worse. We look at Abraham and we know that God calls Abraham out of, out of Ur the Chaldees, the promised land. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 11. But Abraham chooses instead to stop in Haran, right? Halfway to the promised land. I've preached on that before. God calls, and of course, Abraham's father, right? Uh, Terah, he dies halfway to the promised land there in Haran. God calls Abraham again to the promised land. This time Abraham makes a better choice. Abraham goes all the way to the promised land. But the first time the things get rough, right? There's, there's a famine in the land is what happens. First time the little trouble comes his way. First time the storm of life arrives, right? Uh, in, this, in this case it was a famine. When it arrives, Abraham leaves out for Egypt. The very land that God had spoke to him in the earth of the Chaldees and had called him to and spent all this time and promised to give to him. The first time things get a little rough. And Abraham's out of there. I don't know what he is thinking, right? I mean, we can sit there and speculate here. God has provided, went to all this trouble, brought him all this away, and he does not think that God can provide for him the first time that they hit a dry spell. But the truth is, is if we're not really careful, uh, we could examine our own life and we could see the own famines, the own dry spells in our lives. Where all of a sudden we've trusted God to provide salvation for us. We've trusted God with our soul and our eternal resting place. And we've tr trusted God in order to save us, right? And we've trusted in Jesus to save us from the wrath of God that we know is to come upon this world. But the first time we hit a little dry spell, we're out of there, right? We're figuring out a way to take care of ourselves and fix, fix things on our own. So Abraham leaves out for Egypt. Abraham goes to Egypt and he lies. He lies about, uh, you can read that in, what is that, chapter 12 of Genesis? You, where he lies about who Sarah is. That he is, uh, he tells uh, Sarah when they go into the land. Now she was a, uh, must have been uh, quite a desirable woman. And he tells her, he says, when we get down there, they're going to see you, and they're going to want you, and they're going to kill me so they can have you. So do this. Tell them you're my sister, and then they'll treat me good for your sake. God had promised to give him, already made a covenant with him, and promised to give him descendants. Abraham had no children at this time. God promised to give him descendants that was so numerable, so many of them, that it would be like the grains of sand in the sea or the stars in the sky. In other words, they'd be innumerable, and the whole world would be blessed because of his offspring. Now, how in the world would God fulfill that if the Egyptians are going to kill him before he has any children? Abraham lies. God reveals to Pharaoh Abraham's lie. 
Abraham gets kicked out of Egypt. So much for going to Egypt to avoid the famine. Now the next time trouble comes, Abraham chooses to stay in the promised land instead. Remember what I said well ago? It's not that we've made every right choice from the beginning, but hopefully our choices get better and better as we go on. Now today, in chapter 13, we read about a decision made in the life of Lot. Uh, it seems like a simple choice. It seems like even a harmless choice, right? Did, did you catch the layout? Did you catch the scenario? They come out of Egypt, rich men. They've got large uh, herds, right? They've got lots of servants, lots of mouths to feed. They've got a lot going on, right? They've got, they both got big places, big, lots of cattle. going to take a lot, to, or not cat, well, just cattle, but livestock, sheep, goats, all that stuff, you know, camels. Uh, and it's going to take a lot of land. It's going to take a lot of water, right? That place that they're in, that's a dry land, right? Uh, grass is a lot more scarce than what it is around here. Water is a whole lot more scarce than what it is around here. It's going to take a lot of land. They're going into a land where people already live, and here they're moving in with these massive herds. Plumb to the point that there breaks out a fight between Lot's hands, right? The men that work for him as herdsmen. And Abraham's. So Abraham says to him, Look, we're too many for this land. Let's split up. You pick one way, and I'll pick the other way, okay? I'll let you have first choice lot. Whichever way you go, I'll go the other way. He literally says that if you go to the left hand, I'll go to the right hand. If you go to the right hand, I'll go to the left hand. We'll go opposite ways. Now, that seems simple. That seems harmless. It even seems like it makes sense. Yet it's the foundation for a whole series of events that leads to misery and finally to death. It's a decision to separate from the spiritual influence in Lot's life. It's a decision of independence over dependence. It's a decision of the material over the spiritual. Because we read this, right? And we see Lot looks out towards the, the plain of, uh, of Jordan and he sees how wonderful and lush it looks, how good it looks over there. Why it looks so good it could have been the Garden of Eden. And Lot says, I'll take that. That's where I'll go. You see... It's a decision of the material over the spiritual. It's a decision that's made without counsel. We don't see Lot seeking God and saying, remember I preached this morning about being led by the Spirit of God. We don't see Lot saying, God guide me. Which way should I go? How should we handle this decision? What should we do here? What is the solution to our problem? We don't see any of that. It's made without counsel. It's made under the influence of greed. And here's the thing that I want you to see as we go through this tonight. Lot's choice not only affects him, but it affects his family forever. Generation after generation after generation, plumb down to today. It's still 
affects his descendants today. So, what was Lot's choice? Let's look at Lot's. Let's break this down, all right? First thing is, Lot chose wicked company. He did. Look at verse, uh, let's look at, let's read 11, 12, and 13 again. Look at verse 11. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed eastward, or journeyed east. And they separated themselves, the one from the other. So here is the separation from Lot and from Abraham. Really, if you read through this thing, you're looking through here and you're seeing right, and if you're not careful, you'll just follow the logic that's given here. And Lot makes the decision. He picks the one that looks the best. And he separates himself from Abraham. From the only spiritual influence he's got in his life. Verse 12. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan. And Lot in the cities of the plain. And pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now right here. If you hadn't already figured it out. Back there in verse uh, 10. When God said this was before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 13 should have really clued you in if you didn't pick it up earlier. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Exceedingly, right? It didn't say they were just bad guys. It didn't say they were just, you know, irreligious. It didn't say they were just immoral. It didn't say that they just, you know, lacked morals and lacked spirituality. It says they were sinners exceedingly. Of course, if we go over and we read uh, chapter 18 and chapter 19 of uh, Genesis, we'll see, or we could see exactly what their, uh, how wicked their sin is. But here's the thing that I want you to see. Lot chose a wicked company. This wasn't a surprise when he got there, right? This is something that, I mean, we're already being told about before he makes the decision and when he makes the decision. Now, I don't know if Lot had really thought about it, and I don't know if he really understood it, but when he chose to leave spiritual company, he chose to dwell in the company of the wicked. And in verse 12, when when it uses the word pitched, when it says he pitched his tent, right? Verse 12 says, um, pitched his tent toward Sodom. It gives the idea of direction, of intention. Right? It's as if he had already made a decision that he was going to live in the filth of Sodom. Now, the next thing that we can see here is not only did Lot choose the company, or, you know, wicked company, but Lot ultimately is choosing misery. Um, if you look at 2 Peter, I want to read to you a couple of verses out of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. It's talking about Lot again here in the New Testament. 2 Peter 2, 6. And, t- and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that, that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day 
with their unlawful deeds. Notice it uses the word vex. Vex means to torment, distress, to trouble. His soul is, he's troubled day by day with their unrighteous deeds. Oh, he still lives in the midst of it, right? He doesn't move. He doesn't come back. He doesn't make any effort to, uh, you know, but but he is vexed by it. To not, listen to me, to not choose right is to choose wrong. It's that simple, right? To not choose to do the right thing is choosing to do the wrong thing. Now you might be saying, well, I'm doing nothing, but if you know to do right, do it not, it's sin to you. That's what the Scripture tells us in the book of James. To not, to choose, to, to not, to not choose good is to choose evil. To not choose the spiritual is to choose the worldly. Lot finds himself in a place that he thought would bring him happiness, right? He looks out there at that lush plain of Jordan and he thinks, man, my cattle are going to get fat, my livestock are going to get fat, that means that I'm going to gain more wealth, this is going to be prosperous for me and for my family, we're going to be able to have everything that we ever wanted, they are going to do well, we're going to live well, I'm going to be able to provide well for my family, my daughters will get married one day, uh, and they will marry men, that rich men, my, uh, my sons, they will be able to, uh, you know, inherit well, he's thinking, you know, I'm going to leave a lot for my kids I'm, this is going to be good he thought that's going to bring him happiness the very place right that Lot thought would, would bring him happiness is only going to bring him misery Sodom was nothing but a place of darkness misery Right? Uh, Abraham's camp, right? See this whole thing. Do you not see the contrast? As we look at this section of Genesis, this part of Genesis, do you not see the contrast between uh, Abraham and his camp, right? And the light that it represents, right? There, right there, that is the light in the world at this point. That's the only place of spiritual light in the world, right? And we've got Sodom and Gomorrah, right? A place of exceeding wickedness and evil that Scripture talks about over and over that finally God gets so disgusted with them that he destroys them, right? With brimstone of fire wipes them off to the face of the earth to the where the ruins are not even distinguishable today do you not see the the contrast abraham's camp is in the promised land it's in a place of light and joy and where lot chooses to to dwell is the darkest place on the earth right spiritually speaking anyways a place of misery a place so exceedingly wicked that God will destroy it here in just a few chapters. You see, Lot has chosen... Not only has Lot uh, chosen wicked company, he's chose misery by deciding to choose that, that wicked company. And we see that when we look over in Genesis 19, and I want to read a verse over there or two, we see that he chooses uh, position over principles. 
If you look at Genesis chapter 19 and verse 1 for just a minute, it says, and there came, this is where, the, where we see Lot again. We see Lot in chapter 14, and we see him again here in chapter 19. In chapter 19, verse 1, and there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. Now, something that we've got to understand about that part of the world, that culture, in that day and that time. The important people, city officials, town elders, judges, things like that, they are the people that sat by the city gate. That is the place where the town's business was conducted. That is the place that if there was a problem, if there was a uh, dispute, if there was a, a civil or a criminal matter that needed to be ha handled, you knew that's where you went because that's where the town officials, that's where the important people, the people of power and prestige, the people in positions, that's where they were at. They were at the town gate. That's where those things were conducted. That is, by the time we get to Genesis chapter 19, Lot, who, right, the Bible calls him righteous Lot. I never would have in a million years called him righteous Lot. But the Bible calls him righteous Lot. God knows his heart. I don't. But anyways, finds him sitting there at the gates of the city. And instead of his, his soul is vexed and troubled, right, by the wickedness that goes on in the town, because he knows it ain't right. How many of us will put up with things in our own homes, in our own families, in our own lives, and it vexes us, it troubles us, uh, because we know that it's not right, we know that, uh, that God does not approve of it, but yet we're just like Lot, we're not willing to do anything about it. If anything, we just dig ourselves in deeper. Lot, instead of having a positive effect, Lot, instead of avoiding the appearance of evil, Lot, instead of, you know, coming to himself and moving out of the hog pen here, he sets himself up almost like he's mayor or city councilman or whatever over it. He's vexed by the wickedness of where he lives, but yet he still manages to hold a prestigious position there listen to me you will never fix evil by joining it what has happened what we see here is his position the power that he gets from the position the the recognition the the riches whatever it is that he feels like he's getting from it right it becomes more important to him than his principles it becomes more important to him uh, than ultimately his relationship uh, right uh, with god spiritually some choices will lead you to compromise that's what we have here some choices will lead you to rationalize sin don't you know that's what he had to do in order to stay there and endure it the decision against the spiritual is a decision for the natural the worldly the carnal that's what Lot chose and let me tell you the most saddest part of the whole thing 
of what Lot really chooses. Lot chose the destruction of his own family. That's what Lot chose. When, Ch- when Lot looked out there on that fertile plain, green, lush grass, and he sees riches, he sees prosperity, he doesn't even bother to seek God. He is unconcerned with separating himself from any spiritual influence he has in his life. What Lot ultimately chooses is the very destruction of his own family. Uh, in chapter 19, look at verse 8. This is when things are going down. This is when things are getting bad. This is when these two angels God has sent to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham has pleaded and they, for Lot. And so they go to get Lot out. Right? And they and Lot invites them to spend the night, right? And when they come to spend the night, the evil, wicked men of Sodom, they come looking uh, for these two new men, right? I guess they, you know, if they're angels, I guess they thought they were young, good-looking men. I don't know. And they were looking to drag them out of Lot's house and to know them in the biblical sense. And anyways, when Lot is pleading with them in verse 8, he says, Behold now, right? He, he's, the, he's got the two angels. Lot doesn't know they're angels yet, but he's got the two angels in his house, and the townspeople, the men of the town, the townsmen are out there beating on his door, wanting uh, Lot to turn these men over to him, and Lot is pleading with them, and Lot says in verse 8, Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for, there, uh, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Now, on one hand, it's noble that Lot is trying to save the two men that he's invited into his home, that is under you know, his hospitality, his security, his roof. On the other hand, Lot even chooses to offer his daughters to those wicked men? Come on, who among you would do that? Who? Who is it that would do that? Now listen to me, I'm all with Lot on trying to protect his, uh, his visitors, right, his company, but I'm not going to turn my daughter over to them. Why, we're going to have a shootout at the OK Corral first, right? We're going to button down the door and, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> come on. Lot's worldly choices. He was so in-depth, so uh, immersed in the wickedness that it didn't even seem that bad to him. Do you not understand that is what's happening to us today? Every time we've turned on the TV, are we not immersed in the same wickedness that is happening here in Sodom in this day and time? The very same acts are taking place in our culture around us today, plumb to the point that it's being pushed on us, right? It's being... It's being uh, 
I don't know how to say it. It's being taught to us. It's being told to us. It's being, right, that, that this is normal. This is okay. There's nothing wrong with it, right? How casual the, the thing of sex has become in our own culture today, right? It's the same thing. It's the same idea, right? That Lot's just going to give over his virgin daughters uh, to these men so that they can do what they want with them, right? Because it's no big deal. He was so immersed in that, right? How is that different? than the culture that we live in today. Lot's worldly choices had become more important to him than his family. He was willing to sacrifice the precious gift of the family that God had given him so that he could still have his position. So he could still have his worldly things. Look on down here in verse 32 of Genesis 19. Come, let us make our father drink wine. Right. This is after Sodom and Gomorrah has been destroyed. This is after when they're leaving, they are instructed by the angels not to turn and look back. But Lot's wife looks back anyways and turns into a pillar of salt. After the destruction of those cities and the turning of Lot's wife into a pillar of salt, the rest of Lot's children refusing to leave when they are warned, we are left with Lot and these two virgin daughters. And they are saying in verse 32, Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. You know what? This all started when Lot made the decision that he was going to separate from Abraham and go to the plain of Jordan. You know what? I doubt if Lot had ever got drunk when he lived with Abraham. You think? I really doubt if Lot's daughters would have ever considered doing such a perverse and wicked thing if they had stayed with Abraham. Lot's wife, right, even turns to see all that she is leaving, leaving behind so that she becomes a pillar of salt. I doubt if Lot's wife was near as concerned with what she was leaving behind when she left Abraham's camp. Have you noticed how low the morals Lot's family now possesses? Right? It is to the point that Lot's daughters decide, you know what? Let's get dad drunk so we can sleep with him so that dad will still have children to carry on the family name. Your morals have gotten pretty low when you got to that point. You've come a long way from whenever you were in Abraham's camp. My goodness, look at the morals of our own community, right? And the culture that we live in, it's come a long way in the wrong direction from what it was. I've said this, I know I'm a broken record. When I first moved to Mountain Grove, 
Now, it's not like I moved a long ways. I moved from Sparta, so, <laughs> um, you know. But still, when we first moved here, I would have never. If you would have told me that I could turn on the TV, I'm not talking about cable television. I'm not talking about paid channels. I'm not talking about HBO and things like that. I'm talking about KY3, Color 10, regular ch uh, channels that you pick up on your antenna and would see the things that you see today. If you were to tell me that it would be an oddity to sit and watch commercials, just the commercials that's, you know, in the commercial break of a football game or whatever it is in the news or whatever it is that you might be watching at any given time and you would see not one but two maybe three even more homosexual couples flaunting their homosexuality the very things that the Bible says is a shame to even do in the darkness openly in the light if you would have told me that just a I don't know how long it's been, 15 years ago, 18 years ago when I moved here. I just said, you have lost your mind. I would have said, the people will never stand for it. We've come a long way since we were in Abraham's camp. We've come a long way, and it ain't the right direction. It ain't the right way. I wanted you to see the change that has taken place in Lot's family. I wanted you to see how low living in Sodom had brought them. How okay they had become with sin. Because that's exactly what happens when you let it into your life. You know what? The more that you let it in, the more that you become okay with it. Right? That goes just like the saying, I used to have a... Um, a neighbor when I was growing up, an older gentleman, and he used to always like to joke, and he was always known for not hitting it too hard when it come to work, you know what I mean? And anyways, he used to always like to joke that he wasn't scared of hard, hard work, he could lay down right beside it and go to sleep anytime. And of course, you know, that always brought a big laugh. But the truth is, is it's exactly that way with sin. The more you let it in, the more you're around it. The more you try to ignore it, the more you try to overlook it. You don't call it out. You don't try to get away from it. The more okay you get with it. Then it don't bother you. As the joke goes, you can just lay down and take a nap with it. Next thing you know, you're consumed in it. It is you. You know what Lot should have done? Well, let me, let me say this. I think I've already made this point, but I want to say it. You notice how low the morals of Lot's family have now become. Where do you think they learned them? Where do you think they learned them? You know what Lot should have done? Lot should have stayed with Abraham. 
you're saying, wait a minute. When we read in Genesis chapter 13, there was an option given there. Abraham didn't say, okay, Lot, you can stay here and we can figure out a way to make this work. Or you go to the left and I'll go to the right or you go to the right and I'll go to the left. I know what you're saying. But I'm not changing my mind. Lot should have stayed with Abraham. He should have stayed in Abraham's camp. Can I give you the biblical example of why I think that was an option? And I think that if, they would have, if Lot would have sought God, that's exactly what God would have told him to do. Look at the example of Ruth and Naomi, right? And, and, and Orpah, right? Uh, uh, Naomi, uh, Ruth's sister-in-law, right? Naomi's other daughter-in-law. When they leave the land of Moab and there's a famine and they're going back to, right, all the husbands are dead, right? All, all three of them are dead. And they're going back and Naomi is telling Ruth and, and, and Orpah, telling them to go back to, to Moab to their own people. She's telling them, there is nothing here for you. You need to separate yourselves from me and go back because it's too hard, it's too difficult. There's not enough here. That's exactly what Abraham was, you know, the choice that him and Lot felt like they had in that moment is there's not enough here for all of us. But look at what Ruth did and look at how much different that turned out. Orpah goes back into the cesspool and we don't hear nothing else about her, but I'll guarantee you it didn't turn out good. Ruth says, uh-uh, no way. I'm going to go with you and where you're at, I'm at. It's only spiritual light in her life. I'm going to go where you are and your God will be my God. Ruth refused to leave Naomi. Lot should have refused to leave Abraham. Honestly, I think they could have easily worked it out. You know why? Because nothing is impossible with God. I honestly believe that. There is not a single obstacle that could not have been overcome. Let me just leave you with this thought, and I'll close. Isn't it frightening how a simple decision yesterday can ruin your life tomorrow? Ever thought about that? Isn't it scary how a decision you make today can destroy your family later? I've said this countless times. The decisions that my parents made, honestly, I can back up to the decisions my grandparents made affected my parents, affected me, affect my children to this day. The decisions that my parents made when they decided that they were going to separate themselves from the only spiritual light in their life and go the way of the world, that did not, that did not go well for them. That did not end well for them. And it affected them, affected my father for the rest of his life, my mother for all of her life. It has affected me, and it affects my children, and it will affect their children as well. Isn't it a scary thing? 
how a decision you make today can destroy your family later. So here's what I'm telling you. Here is the call of action. Choose the spiritual over the material. Choose light over darkness. Choose godly principles over position, over power, over wealth, over popularity, over anything the world has to offer. Pleasure, whatever it is. Choose your family's spiritual well-being over their material well-being. How many, how many lives, how many families have been ruined because mom and dad or dad or mom or whoever the case may be chose their family's material well-being over their spiritual well-being. I actually think that's literally what was going through Lot's mind and literally exactly what he based his decision on when he made his decision. I'm telling you, I'm begging you tonight, choose right over wrong. We've got so many churches today that are willing to compromise with the world and let it right into their service because it brings this sense of excitement, because it brings this false spirit, because people get wound up and get excited and they're willing to compromise the word of God and the things of, of God. Willing to compromise with the world. I'm telling you, I'm begging you, church, choose God over the world. You leave here tonight, you're going to have choices. You get up in the morning, you're going to have choices. And I'm begging you, choose God. Choose right. Choose uh, what is spiritual, right? Choose the things of God. Do not be tempted as Lot was tempted. Do not make the wrong choices. There is so much more at stake than just your personal feelings and well-being and your temporary high or moment of pleasure or whatever it will be. I've heard all through my life, well, it doesn't hurt nobody but me, so I can do whatever I want. Well, baloney. There ain't no decision you make that's going to hurt nobody but you. Whatever hurts you is going to hurt everyone around you, everyone that cares about you, everyone that is in your life, and your family for multiple generations, farther than you can even imagine. Choose God. Choose life. Choose the spiritual. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar. I want to give you an opportunity to come tonight. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come tonight? Maybe you've got some choices in your life. Don't be like Lot and just make a decision on what you think is best. Come and seek the face of God. Pour your heart out to Him. He will guide you and lead you in all ways. And He'll lead you into all truth. Whatever the need is here tonight. Maybe you've got a burden for somebody. Maybe it's your own soul. Whatever it is. Would you come tonight? Would you come? Please come tonight.